part of uh, the sermon series that we began last week, asking who's your one. It was kind of, in a way, the end of our James sermon series. Uh, we finished the last two verses of James chapter 5, which talked about bringing people back to a relationship with God and what happens when we do that. And in a way, we began a new focus on who's our one, reaching people that are far from God. And today, the next part of that is we want to be a church that reaches the next generation. And so there's four preachers that are going to preach today, but just a little bit. So don't get scared or worried. This is not Africa where every preacher is going to preach for two hours and then we'll eat dinner. Um, sorry, there's no food at all actually today, but um, we're going to all preach for just a few minutes, but it's exciting because you're going to hear a little bit from me as I'm going to kind of take us where we're going. And then Pastor Brian, if any of you don't know Pastor Brian or you met him just this morning, but uh, we have a dear friend that's here, Pastor Brian Hendrickson. He's a pastor in North Dakota. But a few years back, uh, he and I were on staff together at a church in Texas. He was the children's pastor. I was a youth pastor. We actually shared an office. And we had no idea that we were going to migrate north, me to Wyoming, and him to North Dakota to be senior pastors. Uh, but it's incredible that God has done that. And tonight, we are having uh, the Honor Star crowning and the promotion for all of our sixth graders moving into youth group. And since he was our daughter's uh, children's pastor for most of her childhood, we wanted him to come and be a part of the Honor Star crowning and be here for that. And he was able to be here for this morning. And I said, well, since you're not preaching at your church, then you might as well preach at ours. So he's going to share a little bit about children's ministry because he's one of the best children's pastors that I know. And he's going to cast a vision for what that could look like. Pastor Hannah's going to talk a little bit about youth ministry, reaching the next generation through youth ministry. And then Pastor Derek, who is our Chi Alpha uh, missionary and works in the University of Wyoming, involved with Kyle students there for many years. He's going to share about reaching young adults and college-age students and the importance of that. And so it's going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but we've talked this morning even about how uh, we've challenged you to reach somebody that's far from God in the next 30 days. And so that means to pray, to share, to invite, to bring them to Jesus. It's so important. And we talked about this last week, but it's important because the average Christian person, they say, never reaches another person for Christ in their lifetime. And when you consider that uh, statistic or whatever you want to call it, in light of the fact that Jesus' final command to us was to go and make disciples, there's a, there's a breakdown there between what we're supposed to be doing and what we're doing. And oftentimes we think, well, I'm introverted. Uh, the pastor can do that. The evangelist can do that. The Kafa missionary can do that. But the reality is it's a command for all believers to go and as you go to make disciples. Begins close to home and as you go even further away from home, you do it. Some people do it vocationally as an evangelist, as a missionary. Others, just as they go about the workplace, as they go uh, into school and they live their lives, people should see something different. And so it's sad thing to be said if God really has changed our lives, if it's something that's important to us that we value, why would we not share it? We share so many things that don't even matter. We share about um, our football team, our new backpack, our relationship status, the fish we caught yesterday at Lake Owen, three of them. I caught more. I kept three. Okay, don't judge me. They were good size. I ate them last night. They're gone. Sorry. The wildlife we see, every sunset of every day gets shared. And if we happen to exercise for more than five minutes, it goes on social media because if it's not on Facebook, it didn't happen, right? Why would you work out if you can't brag about it and post details for people to see and encourage you? Oh, you're doing so good. That, 
20-minute mile is amazing, right? We share everything, things that have no significance in eternity. Why would we not share something that's so important as a relationship with Jesus Christ? Why would we not share what God's done in our lives, how he set you free, how he's changed you, how you used to live, the purpose that you have in your life in him? Why would we not tell one person? I refuse to believe that about our church. We aren't that selfish, that inward focus that we would be a church that says, I'm so glad that I have a seat and I'm comfortable and that someone shared with me and not share with somebody else. It takes work. It takes being intentional about it. It takes prayer for us to do that. And I believe that we're going to do it, that we're going to reach the lost. We exist so that people far from God can experience new life in Christ. But here's the other thing that's troublesome for Christianity today. The church is not only not doing a great job of reaching people that are far from God, the church is not even doing a great job of reaching the next generation, often even those within our own homes, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard a story about the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. It was an unbelievable thing that happened for a talented USA track and field team. The men's relay team that year, they lost and they failed miserably. It was unthinkable that they wouldn't win this, this, this category in the Olympics because it was a sport that we had done traditionally well and to not even place was, was completely unthinkable and they failed on the world stage. Would you check out this video, show you what happened. To himself.
the first runner is. In fact, they usually save the fastest runner for the end, but it doesn't matter how great the, the initial part of it is. If every part doesn't go smoothly, if the handoff of the baton doesn't happen like it needs to happen in the zone that it needs to happen and clean and smooth, then the entire team is disqualified. Why does this matter to us as a church pastor? Why are we talking about the USA men's team from 2008 dropping the baton? It's because this is the exact thing that happens when we fail to reach the next generation. It not only hurts those that have gone before, it hurts those that are coming after. It hurts everyone in the process. We cannot afford to fail to pass the baton. We cannot afford to fail to reach the next generation. Well, Pastor, why would you say that we're not reaching the next generation? Well, think about this. In 1948, there was only 2% of people that said they had no kind of religious belief system. In 1998, in 1999, it was 10%. So in 50 years, it went from 2% to 10%. That doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but look at what happened from 2002 to 2016. In just 14 years, it jumped from 10% to 18%. We're losing ground as far as people having any kind of religious belief in our country. And what's happening further is that there's children and youth and teenagers and young adults that are walking away from a relationship with Jesus Christ for whatever reason, possibly because what they've seen has caused such a great distaste to them that they say, I, I don't want anything to do with that. And I believe it's because we haven't done a great job of reaching the next generation. We haven't done a great job of living out authentically in our lives beyond a Sunday morning experience what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Faith didn't get passed down in the church didn't reach young people. Now listen, by no means are we saying that all we care about is one age group at our church or that all that matters is young people, not at all. But every year what happens is you and I get older and we will not live forever. We have to reach the next generation. For some reason, we, we, we have this idea that, that it's okay, that, that the way things have been is, is okay, but the reality is we have, to, we have to change, we have to adjust, we have to adapt, and we have to... Make it an intentional effort to reach younger generations in the same way that lost people that are far from God will not just automatically come to faith with, in him unless someone would share, someone would reach out, someone would be intentional to pray and do their part. The next generation is just not going to automatically know the Lord as their Savior. It starts at home with our own kids. It's not even starting with children's ministry and youth ministry, those things that we're going to talk about today. Those things are so important, but it starts at home with our own kids. Kids will not become like Pastor Dakota because of one hour a week that they spend with her, two hours a week they spend with her, or a week at summer camp that they spend with her. Youth won't become like Pastor Hannah because they went to a youth service or they go to two youth services a month or even if they go every single one. We as parents have our kids for years. It starts at home. They'll become like us. When was the last time that your kids heard you pray? Or saw you read your Bible or watch you worship God or saw you make a decision that was difficult based on your faith. I want to read to you from Judges 2.10 and then I'll be done. Judges 2.10 through 12 says this. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who brought them up out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. What happened? Joshua died. The youth pastor of God's people, the leader, and a generation grew up that didn't know the Lord or what he had done for Israel. 
Are you kidding me? God had brought these people out of Egypt. He had miraculously fed them, led them, knocked down walls and fortified cities in advance, uh, swallowed up armies in the Red Sea behind them. And, and you're telling me one generation removed from that, there's kids that grew up and didn't know the Lord or what he had done for his people. I, I just don't see how that's possible. It's the failure of parents. It's failure to train and raise up leaders. It's failure to reproduce our faith and to share, even in our own homes, what God has done. And it can't happen on our watch. We must reach the next generation. They must know what God's done in our lives. Pastor Brian, would you come and share with us? Pastor, that's just to reveal <clears throat> that the people of God were moving into a time of disobedience and desperation, which in a few years was going to require deliverance. And that's why the book is called the Book of Judges. So what lessons can we learn from this? <clears throat> well, even in my own life, I can tell you about how important it was for people who spoke into my life. As a 19-year-old and not knowing Christ, it was a young man who decided he was, going to, he was going to choose me to be the one that he was going to reach out to. And through that, I became a Christian. And over the years, I've pastored uh, many, many years. I've been in the pastoral ministry for 35-plus years. I've worked with families from all over the United States and around the world, basically telling parents and, and churches the call to them to mentor the next generation of believers. You know, Pastor Matt just revealed that here's Judges. In the book of Judges, it's just a, just a short time after Joshua dies, and now all of a sudden, the people don't know God. How could that possibly be? Well, let's kind of look at the timeline of what happened here. If you look up on the screen, you'll see a little timeline there. It says, Moses delivers his last sermon. He actually, the book of Deuteronomy is basically like four or five sermons. And he's preaching to Israel. He knows he's about ready to die because he's no, God has not said that he'll be able to go into the promised land. He's going to die before they go over. So he knows at any minute now they're going to go over the Red Sea, or the Red Sea, the, the Jordan River, and they're going to go into the land. And so here it is. It's about 1400 B.C. He then dies shortly afterward, and Joshua takes the lead. Joshua then dies just 40-something years later. And then sometime during that time, between that and when Ehud becomes judge, about another 50 or 60 years later, the people don't know who God is. Within one generation, all of the stories and testimonies of God's work have fallen on deaf ears. It even appears that the teaching of God's truths were also neglected. How could that possibly be? It just does not seem to make sense to me. You know, the scripture that I had up on the, this one screen, right here it's called, if you look up on this next screen on the right-hand side, in English is this phrase, Hero Israel, um, and it's, it's Shema Israel is the word, and it talks about Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then it goes on to say, why is he one? It's probably the most important Old Testament scripture. If you hear Jews speak about it, they call it the Great Shema. The word it means to hear, but it doesn't mean just to listen. It means actually to put into practice what they've heard. Jesus was asked a very important question. They said, what is the greatest scripture? What is the most important commandment? He refers to this scripture right here. This is what he turns to. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It was an attempt to trick him. It was an attempt to get him to think about one thing. But he knew what was the most important thing. His reply partially came from this passage and as well as the rest of the Bible. It was easily recognized by those around him that heard it. The Jews were instructed, no, in fact, they were commanded by God to do what 
this says. So I'm going to read to you that whole thing. It's kind of hard to read it up on that screen. So I'm going to read to you what it says in Deuteronomy. Now remember, this is Moses' last words to Israel. He's about ready to die. He knows. I mean, not, not all of us have that, that joy of knowing that when we're going to die. <laughs> like, you're going to die on uh, October 3rd, 2052. You know, you're, you're not going to know that. But he knew any minute he was going to die. So he's speaking these last words. And so he's speaking something that's very, very important. And so he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And these words which I command you today will be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. To your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on, on your hand and on the front lines between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know, here's the thing, though. It wasn't just this generation that forgot. There's a lot of godly men in the Bible that didn't do this with their own children. Think of David. Think of Eli. Eli, his family lost that ability to do priestly work because of his sons. And that's why God rose up the person of Samuel. And you're thinking, man, this great guy, Samuel. And then his sons did the very same thing that Eli's sons did. And then you have David. You're thinking, David, the mighty David. And his family was a mess. I mean, it was a mess. Read the Bible. See for yourself. Even his son Solomon, who was wise and great, that guy made some really big mistakes. 700 of them. Wives. Too many. One's enough. I love my wife, but my wife would kill me if I tried to have another one. So all of these great men of the Bible forgot this scripture, forgot what the Bible says, forgot the command of God to pass this on to his children. You know, I've been, I was in children's ministry for a long time. I was in churches. I was in a mega church. I was a children's pastor in a mega church. I was a children's pastor in a medium-sized church. And as good as we did in ministry, and I would have somewhere between 80 and, and 100 people that worked in children's ministries, as good as they were, the reality is it was one hour a week. Just like Matt was saying earlier. Dakota doing a good job back there, but you know what, Dakota is not kind of the same influence. Because look what it says here. Let's read what it says. It says, here's the things. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's like every part of life. Yesterday, as we went fishing, and you brought Sam with you. You know, Sam's never going to forget that day. He had to pull in a fish that Matt had snagged, and he went and pulled that thing in. He's never going to forget that. Or how about the young man that came from Chi Alpha? The young man from India never fished in his life. And he caught the first fish, and it was the biggest one, too. Sorry, Matt, I had to reveal that. Even though you didn't catch three. He caught the first and the biggest one, a beautiful, beautiful rainbow trout. And the look on his face, I mean, he was having a hard time even holding this thing. But it was so much excitement for him, and we can teach him and others about the great glory of God's goodness to us. The beauty of nature. I mean, Paul, I mean, you spoke so much about what is it that you love about this area, and you love just being in God. You had lots of opportunities to go someplace else, maybe even make more money. But you chose to stay here and to enjoy God's beauty. And while you're doing that, you can teach others. And you were helping all the young people that were there and showing them how to fish and having a good time. 
on this next screen, I just ask a couple, one simple little question. Why did this happen? How did they not know his truth and his work? Now, I don't know about you, but if I had seen a river split in half so we could walk through it, if I'd seen some walls fall down, if I'd seen people fall before us, I think I'd be retelling those stories a lot. I mean, us guys, we could talk about the same play in football for years and years and years. When you were playing that, that, uh, that I remember that baton drop. When you, when, you, when you talked about that, I'm like, oh, I know it's going to happen. He's going to drop the baton. And that was, that, that was 11 years ago, but we would still talk about it. Matt and I could talk about plays from a long time ago, especially anything where Dallas is, you know, playing. <laughs> and you talk about the same thing. So why can we tell those stories? But we can't remember the stories of God's goodness to us. And I hope that Sam will, in the years to come, will think back on those times where Pastor Matt and his dad took him fishing. And he'll be able to tell others. And maybe they'll say, you know what? I need to go to that church because they do cool stuff with their kids. And they teach them about God in all kinds of really cool ways. Let's not fail to do that. So how do we prevent this in our time? The question is, they did not know his truths. And so he gives the answer here. It's first of all, he states it that you can love God in three different ways. First of all, to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's it, mom and dad. Just do that. Love him with all of your heart. Love God with all of your strength and your soul. Then it says to embrace. In other words, what it, it's, it's written down in your heart. It's not just this Bible that we have. The scriptures are great and wonderful that we have this Bible, but they do no good unless they're in our heart. Number three is impress them upon your children. Model them. Talk about them. Create meanings to remember them. His work can be revealed in the very same manner, folks. We are no longer a society that values family. We aren't. The government does it for us a lot of times. They define what marriage is. They define what all kinds of things are in our society. society. And we've forgotten how to do that within our own families. So talk about it. Model. Remember. And in this last slide. What will it look like for a new life? What would it look like for this church? First of all, we put into practice what we say. Be a student of the word. Pastor Mike gives you plenty of opportunities. We've got Sunday school and Royal Rangers and Missionettes. And there's a lot of things that this, we have youth and Chi Alpha and so many things that this church can do. So read and pray. Attend church where you can learn all that. Spend time with the Lord. But the most important thing is bring your family with you along in the journey. Bring your children. Disciple them. It's your job. As much as New Life has done a great job and provides so many awesome uh, abilities for kids to learn, it's your job. Talk. Reveal his goodness through his creation like we did yesterday. How he has guided you and provided it. Teach in Sunday school or get involved in children's ministries. Dave and Mary Boyd, they lead BGMC, good friends of, of Matt and I. We've known them for a long time. They've been in ministry for more than 40 years. They lead BGMC all over the world. They've raised, I don't know, over $100 million over the last 15, 20 years. They have no children. They never have. They couldn't have children. Yet they've dedicated their entire lives to ministry to children more than 40 years. 
We have another, a young lady who's coming up now and is just starting her ministry. But someone spoke into her life. And now she's going to reveal to you a little bit about what it takes to now reveal and to share that with youth. Hannah? Can you pass Brian? Wow, that's, that's an, a really encouraging word. So thank you. Thank you for that. I want everybody to open up to Psalm 119 and just keep a finger in it because we'll be there in just a minute. So I want to start out, I want to tell a story about a really dear friend that I have. Um, and I went to high school with this guy. And, um, <coughs> well, there we go. I went to high school with this guy. And let me tell you, he grew up really rough, right? So imagine rough as in single parent household, alcoholism in the house, drug abuse in the house. At, some, at one point in his life, he was given up for adoption. He was adopted into a family, a Christian family, and they sent his butt to church, let me tell you. And at youth group, this guy, my friend, found the Lord. He encountered God in a really amazing and powerful way. And let me tell you something, after that happened, all of the bad stuff did not happen, or did not stop happening, you know? The family that adopted him ended up getting divorced. And then later, his biological mom committed suicide. And in the last year, he's lost like four different friends in tragic car accidents. He's had a rough life. But let me tell you, his relationship with Jesus that started when he was in high school has been the thing that is able to sustain him through all of that. It was because he had incredible leaders in his life who discipled him, who loved on him, who kicked his butt when he was being a butthead. Let me tell you, you don't believe me. I, we could tell stories. No, but since graduating high school, this kid has done amazing things. So right now, he's attending Bible college to be a children's pastor. He's been to like 10 different countries doing God's work and sharing the love of Jesus with Muslims and with Native Americans and with, like you name it, he's done it. And he's been all over the United States going to camps and sharing his testimony and he's been discipling students and youth and he's been an intern. And let me tell you guys, God is working in his life. And it's incredible and it all started with an encounter at youth group. And that's where my journey with Jesus started also. You know, I grew up in church and I knew all of the Bible, but honestly, it wasn't until I saw the adults in my life really putting it into practice that it clicked in my brain like, wait, Jesus is supposed to do something in my life? And from then, it's like, there is no going back. You know, when we understand, when we understand that Jesus is so much more than a feeling, then our students start understanding that Jesus is so much more than a feeling. And when we start walking in the way that God has appointed for us, then our students will and our children will because they will follow after us because I followed after the leaders that were before me. So by Wyoming standards, I grew up in a really large youth group. And uh, it was, it was a great youth group. The sermons were awesome and biblical and applicable and the games were really exciting. Let me tell you, I am the fear factor champion, reigning champion. 
I've eaten so many weird things in church, guys. <laughs> it was a great youth group, right? But there was a problem, and I watched this problem year after year after year since I was in sixth grade until I graduated high school, right? And it was when kids left high school, they also left Jesus, you know? It was like, this is just a season in their life. And that's not okay. You know, that, that we even give them that option in the way that we live. So of the 70 or so students who attended the youth group while I was there, I can count on two hands the students that are still following the Lord. You see, encountering Jesus once is not enough spiritual fuel to keep them going for a lifetime. We have to, we have to realize that the importance of discipleship in the Christian life because it creates space for us to encounter Jesus time after time after time again. It's a continual renewal and a continual witness and a continual testimony, right? Because that one time in church camp where we met Jesus is not enough. It's not enough of a relationship. Because if you saw your wife on your wedding day and that was the only time you've ever seen her, can you really call her your wife? Can you really call Jesus your Lord and Savior if you've only encountered him once? And that's why we need discipleship. And it makes me really excited because yes, we can look at all of this failure, but let me tell you, God is a God who redeems. You know, we don't have to sit in this hole of like, man, we failed this generation because sure you have, but that doesn't mean that we have to continue to, right? And it's exciting because this generation, let me tell you, I have some of them in my youth group and they're fired up and they love Jesus. And when they get on him, they're on him, you know, and nobody can take that away from them. And it makes me excited because these guys are the ones who are going to change our culture, you know, and these guys are the ones who are going to usher in the coming of Jesus. And it's awesome. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it gets me excited. Right? So we're going to go to Psalm 119 and get some, get some help from the scriptures. We're going to start in verse 9. And it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a great question. Why don't you tell us, David? All right. By living according to your word. Whose word? God's word. It's that simple. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all of the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Man, that's so awesome. You see, David uses actions, like he uses really active words. So he says he seeks for God in the scriptures, right? He says he hides, or some translations say he treasures God's word in his heart, right? He, he puts it in there. He's like, it's mine. I'm going to keep it there, right? He recounts it. So he continually repeats the work of God that's found in scripture, he rejoices over God's word. He meditates on it, 
right? He sits there and he's like, man, God, this thing that you said is so amazing. I just can't even handle it, right? He delights in scripture. And he tells us that when we do this, that's how we stay on the path of purity. So what does this look like for youth? And I promise I'll be fast. I think I'm going over time, but it's okay. So infiltrate youth, that's, that's the name of our youth group here at New Life. And the mission of the group is tied to the name infiltrate, right? And it's twofold. The first is for Jesus to infiltrate the hearts and lives of the students, right? In a real and powerful and sustainable way. A sustainable way that's powered through discipleship, yeah? And the second is as students are discipled, they are empowered to infiltrate their context, their schools and their workplaces and their homes, right? So we get Jesus in them so they can get Jesus where they're at, right? It makes sense. So what does this look like practically? As students encounter Jesus and his word, they will learn to live as disciples of Jesus, not just as temporary consumers of the gospel. Right? So on our Monday night services, we've got an amazing team of leaders, and we work with them to build relationships and eat snacks and play games and get into the Word of God and have tough conversations and do life with them. Right? So this summer, we focused on how do we read the Bible, and we used the SOAP method, and they probably never want to hear that word again, but let me tell you, it's in their brains, and they know, they know how to read the Word of God. So, and I'm looking forward to, so that was this summer, and this semester I'm looking forward to going in and reading what Jesus did and then taking time in our service to practice what Jesus did. You know, so if they get time to get their hands dirty in church where it's safe, then they'll be able to get their hands dirty in their schools where it's less safe and in their homes where it's less safe. You know, and the, all of this in the hope that students are deployed, right? into the work that God has set out for them. And so, if hearing all of this makes you really excited, like it makes me really excited, you can see me, I'm like flailing around, okay? If this makes you excited, come talk to me after service because we need van drivers, right? And we need mature Christians to mentor our students. And we need seasoned saints who will pray and pour their wisdom into our young brains, my young brain also. <laughs> we need people to pray for our students by name because that's so important. I would not be here if it wasn't for people praying for me. And all of this, I wanna get you involved because we do all of this in hope that students will encounter Jesus in a real way but also that they'll learn to seek his face for their own so that they can encounter him on their own time, you know, so that they can cultivate a vibrant and active life of faith. And really when we do this, it makes the life of campus ministers like Derek way easier because he's getting in students, right? So children's ministry makes my life easier and, and youth ministry makes Derek's life easier because then he doesn't have to do all the work himself. He can be like, you're empowered, then you go and bring disciples, right? And he can be the shepherd leader that God has called him. So Derek, if you wanna come up, 
and invite him up here. I'm so excited to hear about campus ministry. Thanks, Hannah. And if, you know what? When we hear about students like Hannah coming to the University of Wyoming, it gets us amped up. It gets me excited because, I mean, obviously you guys see her uh, every week standing up in front of you and loving and serving uh, the kids and youth. And it's it's exciting for me to have her a part of our ministry and hang out with her. Even this week, hang out at the Kyle House and tough conversations with other people and, and things like that. And, and her support and love that she brings to our community and, and to this church. Because those of us that have been here very long know that we didn't have students just a couple of years ago, or very few. Um, and so it's just really exciting to see what God is doing here and truly bringing new life to this community. But I'm not going to keep going down that trail because that's not what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so this town comes alive right now. I mean, you guys are seeing it here all over Laramie. You, maybe you don't even want to go to Walmart for the next couple of years. I know, I for one don't get super excited about that. I remember talking to a former manager of Walmart. She said the first week of school rivals their Black Friday weekend. And, and, and it does. And it's just, it's crazy. This town comes alive. You get more people, whether they're Wild Tech students, University of Wyoming students, coming to this community. Um, and instead of taking five minutes to drive across town, you now got to plan for eight. You know, God, right? Whoa. Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. I'm so blessed to live in Laramie, man. Don't, I mean, Fort Collins, Denver, you guys can have those. I love Laramie. You get excited about the return of school, and in particular the University of Wyoming. Do you bemoan the fact that now all these students are in town and you're going to have to wait longer at Walmart or maybe you have to miss a stoplight or, or whatever it is? You know, I get excited about this year, and it's more than just college football. It's more than just the return of the NFL. And, I mean, my life gets super busy. We spent the entirety yesterday in this building working with our new leadership of team just preparing for the school year. We've got some more time to spend with them this afternoon, and there's a lot going on these upcoming weeks, and it stresses me out a little bit. It excites me. It rejuvenates me. It exhausts me. All those things in these next couple weeks, and I'm really excited about that. But let's get excited about college ministry in our town. Let's get excited about the university community, if we're not already. Maybe we like the University of Wyoming, but, you know, all those extra students that are around, eh, or, you know, football in particular, maybe. You know, students bring a lot of life to this community. They bring a lot of life to this church. You know, we have a, a youth pastor who's a, a college student. We have a number of people serving on the worship team and in this church in different capacities that are college students. Jesse is a non-traditional college student serving us as our worship leader. It's just awesome to see, again, the life that it brings to this community. We have multiple people in her um, in, in Hannah's youth uh, team that are part of Kyle. In fact, the vast majority of, of them all are part of our student body. So should we tolerate them or should we be excited that they're here? And sometimes we just get in the, yeah, we'll talk, you know, that's, that's all right, you know, whatever. You know, they, they eat all the food at the potlucks and they don't bring it. <laughs> you know, that has been a valid concern of this church. I've been here long enough to know that. I know that that is, in fact, a reality. And if you aren't excited again that they're here, it's time to get excited that they're here and in this church. I am in Laramie because of them. I have no intention of going anywhere else because of them. College ministry is vital, and I, for one, am glad Pastor Matt and his church invest in us. And you guys don't see us a whole lot because we spend a lot of time traveling around the state, ensuring that we can be here raising funds and, and prayer support and all these things for our ministry, and we love it. We're so blessed by Matt. And, and anyway, just this congregation, this church, and I believe in college ministry, and I believe in this church, and I, I'm so thankful that Matt is a proponent. Matt comes man, at least once a month to just hang out with us and be a part of what we're doing. 
Chi Alpha, in short, means Christ's ambassadors. Each and every one of us are to be an ambassador where we're at to the people that we're connected with, our family, our friends, our co-workers. But we're Christ's ambassadors to the university campus, and the university needs Jesus. Students need to see authentic representations of Christ. Sometimes, as we've already mentioned, children and youth come through church and come through all these great experiences in youth group, and I was, I for one, in one of those. But sometimes we grow up in church, but we don't grow up in Christ. Yeah. You see the disconnect. I believe college ministry is the most strategic mission field today, and I should believe that because I'm devoting my life to that, right? Our staff, who they'll all be here for the next service, and many of our students are going to be here for the next service, but they believe in that as well. Here's a little bit about, about our university, if you don't know some of this information. Oh, I think it's, well, I don't know. Is there one before that? Sorry. No? Okay, go ahead and go there. But our, our, we're a community. We're all about community. We believe connecting students to authentic community, and, and through these fivefold reasons, prayer, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission, because we believe we're transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. And we're doing that right here in Laramie. This church is a part of your mission support is doing that with us right here in Laramie. The next one, a little bit about our university. These are all out of whack. That's okay, though. It's okay. Um, all right, we'll just kind of go with it. That's what te happens with technology, right? So on our campus, we've got, um, we've got students from all 50 states. We've got students from 96 different nations, 706 international students. 706 international students is greater than over half of the incorporated towns in Wyoming. Think about that for a minute, right? 12,000 students, 8,000 Wyoming students, 1,800 students from Colorado. And they're arriving on our campus, even as we speak, probably. And many of them this Friday during move-in. And, and Kyle will be helping with move-in. So pray for us that day that we just have some meaningful connections. You see there China, India, Nepal, Saudi Arabia, in, um, Iran. The five most populated international nations. And think about those nations and their current access to the gospel. Pretty limited to none. And yet they're coming to our campus. We have an amazing opportunity to reach them while they're here. And our, our university community is, is focused on small groups. We're focused on being a community of prayer, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. Again, to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. I'm just going to give you guys a, a short testimony video of some of the students whose lives have been touched and changed through Kai Alpha.
Kyle is a big group of students who love God with future preachers, missionaries, and servers. Kyle for me is about not only finding myself and being true to myself, but showing that to everyone, showing everyone that I love Jesus and that's what I stand for, showing everyone that I'm happy where I am and wanting everyone to join in with me in that and having everyone surrounding me that is has that same goal in mind and just yeah. I just really uh, develop my relationship with Jesus Christ a little bit more, uh, just kind of on a personal level. Growing up in a Christian household I was I was a good always had a good relationship with Jesus, but I think I was really developed that more into something that I can take and apply to the real world a little more. That's what I think Kai Alpha means to me. Kai Alpha, I met some of the most spiritually strong people um, that I've really ever met, and honestly, some of my best friends. Like uh, even people that have left like years ago, I still keep in touch with. Um, so it's been a great community in that way, and a great starting place. It's helped me, or uh, helped bring me as a disciple to Jesus closer, and learn from disciple others a lot. And it's currently teaching me, continues teaching me how to disciple. Kyle to me is like a family, and it's also like a support system. And it's just a place where you can go where people genuinely care about your well-being. As I've continued in Chi Alpha, I've realized that it's a place of growing, um, especially in my spiritual nature, but also in my leadership. Kyle has afforded me a lot of opportunities to be a leader. Uh, to the people around me, to the people that I go to class with, to the people that are a part of Kyle to the international students especially. When I first came to University of Wyoming, I was so scared that I wasn't going to be able to make any friends. And I came to one Kyle Alpha meeting and I've been here ever since. I'm a senior now, I'm on the worship team, and I've met some of the most impactful people that I think <clears throat> I would have ever met in Kyle Alpha. Chi Alpha to me means uh, a great place to just be able to hang out with uh, really great people and to be able to worship God. Uh, I Worshiping God is a really big part of my life and it's the way that I feel I can connect with Him the best and so it's really important to me to be able to um, not only be on a worship team but I also really enjoy being in the audience and just getting to sit back and, and enjoy time in His presence. So that was a few testimonies just directly from our students. And, and I got one just this last week I'm going to share with you. I get a little emotional with this one because, anyway, it's, it's a young man that's not coming back this year. This is what he said. I will not be returning this year and I've decided to finish my degree in Washington. I will miss Chi Alpha and all the people in Chi Alpha. It's been the best part of my experience in Wyoming. I've grown more in the last year than I could ever imagine. Chi Alpha has changed my life for the better. I wish I could come back if it was just for Chi Alpha and the fellowships I've been a part of. I pray that God will bless and grow Chi Alpha like never before. Godspeed. That's why we do college ministry, even if it's just a year, and that's all we get. And unfortunately, that happens all too often, and I hate that. <laughs> Unless I don't really like the student and I'm ready for them to go. <laughs> that is another story. All right, for another time. No, I'm just, anyway, that's. But 
We love the opportunity to reach students. We love the partnership that we have here. And I could go on and talk about how strategic students are in the ministry of the church. In the history of the church, students have led revivals. The Haystack um, Five, Samuel Mills, he got a passionate about missions and because of these five guys at Massachusetts College they start five missions agencies that transform the world to this day and we're still living in some of those things. I can talk about Ludwig van Zinzendorf who committed himself in as a 19 year old college student in 1719 to spreading the gospel around the world and he founded the Moravians and in the, the next 20 years from 1719 on they did more for Protestant missions than the previous 200 19-year-old kid, William Carey, while he was in college, God gave him a vision to reach the nations. And he would go on to India at, and, and uh, translate 40 different languages of the Bible into various Indian languages. And it was his book that got into the hands of Samuel Mills and the Haystack Five that created the first six mission agencies in North America. Five Guys, three college freshmen, two college sophomores. Steve Shadrach, the, a college minister and historian, concludes that the last 250 years of Protestant missions has been sustained primarily by university students. Our university students are world changers. I'm so glad I get to work with them. Revival is at the heart of young people. They don't want business in the church as usual, but they have a longing for God's heart a longing for authentic community, a longing for the nations to hear and experience God's love. You know, Wyoming is one of the few states to never have an authenticated revival. One of the few states. And I'm believing that that's going to change, and in large part because of students at the university. In Chi Alpha nationally, on the 320 campuses we're on, and from our national director, who was actually here the last week of May, just spending a couple days with me. We're believing for the greatest student awakening the world has ever seen. And if you Google student awakening, you're gonna get, you'll get stuff going all the way back. And it's pretty amazing, again, the, the role students have had in world evangelism in the last couple hundred years. And we want to be a part of that next great student awakening. And it's going to happen here in Laramie. And you guys don't have to have just a front row seat to that. You can be involved in that by connecting with students that come here to church, by loving and supporting them well by introducing them to the staff and other students that are part of Chi Alpha, by supporting Dakota and Hannah and Pastor Matt as we're trying to transition students from, from kids' ministry to youth ministry, from youth ministry to college, and from college to being a part of, of a general fellowship of a church. There's so many handouts that we, handouts, baton passes that we make in this life. We need to make a big deal of them, and we need to get them right, because otherwise, when we're supposed to win, what was it, 100, I don't even know what that race was. We're supposed to win a relay and we fail because of ineptitude and because of like, the transfer. So, so many people are growing up again in church, but they're not growing up in Christ. What can you do to help ensure that they're growing up in Christ? What can you do to support the kids, the youth, and the college students of this community? Maybe it's just taking them out for lunch. There's a lot of different ways to be involved. There's ways to be involved with us. Baking cookies for Chi Alpha. We can have, have it at our after parties. Coming and, and, and if you want to serve in some capacity at the Chi Alpha House, we have various handyman projects year-round that you could potentially be involved in. Praying for students, praying for our staff. We'd love it if you take a prayer card and think about that. Giving to the missions focus of this church as well, to, to bless missions work in, all around the country and at the University of Wyoming as well. 
Don't just have a front row seat, but be a part of what God is doing in this church, in our kids' ministry, in our youth ministry, in our college ministry, because we're changing the university, the marketplace, and the world right here in Laramie, and you're a part of it. I said it before, but I want you to think about it in a relay with the when, when the, there's a failure to pass the baton, it's not just the person that was to receive the baton and finish the race that fails the race. It's the person that handed it off that fails to win the race. It's the person that ran before and did hand it off correctly that fails to win the race. Everyone involved loses when there's a failure to pass the baton. We must reach the next generation. We can't afford to drop the baton and not reach the next generation. A majority, a substantial majority of people who accept Jesus as their Savior do it before reaching their 18th birthday. In fact, they say before 21, 94% of people that make a decision for Jesus as their Savior do it before the age of 21. 94%. So why is it important that we reach the next generation? Why is it important that we be a church that cares about children and youth and young adults? Because that's, if someone hasn't made a decision by then, it's not to say that the Lord can't do it. He's able. We see it happen. I've prayed to people on their deathbed to make a decision for the Lord, and God honors that. But how much better is it for a person at the age of 10, 15, 18, 21 to make that decision, to live a life serving the Lord and understanding what it is to have a relationship with Him? That's our heart. That's our desire. So how do we do this? How are we going to make it happen? My challenge to you is that every person in this church would find some way, some area to serve in reaching the next generation. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, there's lots of ways that you can do it. We've got a couple slides that I want to show you. Derek mentioned some, some great ideas. There's lots of things that this church does that, that are opportunities for you and the next generation. Some of those like last four or five slides they have the children's ministry, youth ministry, Kyle. These are these are three three areas that you've heard from today that are opportunities for you to serve. Go ahead and go to the next one. In kids ministry, some of the things from talking to Pastor Dakota that you could be involved in is she she'd love to have additional people and develop a team on Sunday mornings. Oftentimes, it's just her involved in children's ministry on Sunday mornings. Go stay there for a little bit longer on that last one. Wednesday nights are about to start up here in just about uh, two weeks. Um, the after Labor Day, we need Royal Ranger commanders. We need uh, impact girl leaders, all that kind of stuff. Junior Bible quiz, special events. Maybe you say, I can't help every Wednesday. I can't help every Sunday. Well, could you help one Sunday a month? Could you help one Wednesday a month? Could you help even with special events? Those are big needs. Go ahead and go to the next one. Pastor Hannah mentioned a little bit. Monday nights is our youth service. Sunday mornings, Bible class, special events. Get with her and find out what are some areas, what are some ways that you could get involved and serve. Maybe kids and youth isn't your thing. Maybe something that Pastor Derek talked about. There's Thursday nights, there's campus events, there's international outreaches, there's all kinds of things uh, that are open. And you can talk to him and get more information about what that looks like. Our church also has an outreach this coming Saturday on the University of Wyoming campus. We'd love to see you get involved in that. What are we doing? We're taking our big grill out to the university. We're going to tailgate for the Missouri game, the biggest game of the season, probably the best weather we're going to have for any football game. You say, what would I do? You could cook burgers and hot dogs on the grill. We've put together, and we actually received a grant this week for $1,500 for this specific outreach event from My Heart Wyoming. It's pretty awesome. And we're putting together uh, semester survival kits for students. 
And so the first 350 students that come by our tailgating booth, they're going to get a drawstring backpack that's got our church logo on there. They're going to get some laundry detergent. They're going to get some ramen noodle. They're going to get a first aid kit. They're going to get a life book, the Gospel of John in there. They're going to get a pin that says New Life. They're going to get one of these cards on your chair that invites them to come to College Sunday two weeks from today and come check that out and be a part of it. And, uh, and we just believe that's going to be just a, a, an incredible opportunity for them, whether it's them coming to the service and having the opportunity to make a connection with the local church, whether it's that life book that's going to be in there and them opening that in a challenging moment in the semester and saying, you know what, I really need a relationship with the Lord. God's going to use those small things or maybe just a conversation that you have there at that tailgating booth. It's going to be an incredible opportunity. We'd love for you to sign up for that. You can sign up. By the connection card we talked about at the beginning of service, flip that over. There's an area that says, I want to sign up for. You can sign up to be a part of that outreach. Maybe you can only work an hour. Maybe you can work a couple hours. We're going to be there a few hours that day. We'd love for you to be involved in that. That's an incredible opportunity. On College Sunday, two weeks from today, when we have the college students here and we're welcoming them back to our church and, and we're doing a free meal for them, there's opportunities for you to serve and in preparing the meal that day, helping to get that together. We're going to fire up the grill again. If they like the first hamburgers, well, they'll probably like the second round of hamburgers. We're going to cook some more. We're going to do a free meal just for college students after the 11 o'clock service. So you could come to this service and, and attend service and then you could fire up the grill and cook during the second service, so the smell would make it impossible for those college students to leave because they'll smell that food cooking and make everyone else really, really hungry. That's an opportunity for you to serve. Also, we give an opportunity every college Sunday for families in our church to adopt. There's a handful of students every year that come that they don't live close to here. A lot of students live in Wheatland. They can go home every weekend if they want to. They live in, in Fort Collins. They can go home every weekend, but there's several that have come from far away. They don't have a family to go home to. So we like to find a family that would be willing to the, adopt them over the course of the semester. What does that mean? Well, you're just going to pray for them. If you have an opportunity to take them out to lunch one Sunday after, after service or invite them to your house, you can do that at whatever level you feel comfortable with that. But it's a mainly a commitment to pray for them, to check up on them, see if there's anything that, that they need, any advice that they need about, hey, I don't even know where to eat in Laramie. I don't know where a laundromat is. I don't know where, you know, anything, you know, just they would have a local point of connection, someone that cares about them, that's checking up on them, that uh, that's praying for them. And as much food as you want to bring them, you say, I don't want them to come to my house. I don't really like to go out to eat. Bring them a plate of food. Bring them a plate of cookies. That would be, be such a blessing to them. Whatever way you want to adopt them, the, the, the what happens is up to you. But just that so they would know that they have someone that's praying for them over the course of the semester. And we're going to make that opportunity available on that college Sunday, two weeks from today. And we need families of our church to say, you know what, I'll pray for a college student. I'll bake them a plate of cookies. I'll take them out to lunch one Sunday over the course of the semester, whatever. It's an incredible opportunity for us to say, hey, we are a church that cares about even college students that are far from home. Uh, and invest into that next generation. Van drivers, we see, still need one van driver. Scott just volunteered, so we needed two. Now we need one. So we need one more van driver that's willing to, to drive the van to pick people up. A lot of the people that want to come are our families or kids or all that kind of stuff. And we believe we're going to see that grow. We're going to also make that available to students on the campus. Our van will pick them up from the campus and bring them here if they want to ride. Um, so those, these are opportunities for you to be involved and for you to serve. There's all kinds of different ways. You can mentor somebody. You can come to the ladies' Bible study that's beginning in just a couple weeks and, and find a young lady that's there and say, hey, you know what? 
I don't know everything, but I've, I've walked with the Lord maybe a little bit longer than you have. And I'd love to pray for you and, and do life together with you. Helping some young moms that maybe just need some, some godly counsel. Maybe don't have a godly parent to look up to. There's young men in this church that need a godly father figure. There's not one thing that we're asking you to do, but find a way. I believe every person can find a way to be involved in the next generation in serving in one way or the other. If there's something that you've heard today that you say, I can do that. We'd love for you to talk to Pastor Dakota after the service, talk to Pastor Hannah, talk to Pastor Derek, put your name on one of the connection cards and say, I'll be there Saturday for the outreach, or I'm interested and would like more information about maybe helping out in Kids Church one Sunday a month, or I'd love to find out what's happening on Wednesday nights, any of those things. Just ask for more information. You don't have to commit, and we're not asking you to do this every service for the rest of your lives. <laughs> There's opportunities for you to say, hey, I can, do, I can do one Sunday a month. That's the great thing about having two services. You can come to one service and sit in one, and you can serve in another. But what you have to offer to the next generation, I don't care how old you are. Maybe you're 19 years old. There's a 13-year-old that could use what you have. Maybe you're 90 years old, and there's a, a young 40-year-old person that needs what you have. Find some way that you can be involved in investing in the next generation. God, we thank you so much. For the words that have been spoken, I thank you for Pastor Brian and his heart to share. God, I thank you for Pastor Hannah serving this church so faithfully in our youth ministry. And thank you for Pastor Derek who answered the call uh, years ago, almost 12 years ago, to serve students on the campus at University of Wyoming. He left uh, his home state and what was comfortable and familiar to him to answer your call. Lord, because the next generation matters. Lord, we just want to be a church that cares about and prioritizes investing into the next generation. Lord, no one person here can do it at all. Many people are already serving in many areas, but God, I pray that all of us would have a burden in our heart to find one area, one way that we could be involved in serving and investing into the next generation so that we don't find ourselves in a place one generation away from now where there's a generation that would rise up that would say we've never known the Lord or the things that he's done for his people. God, don't let that ever be said of us. We can't afford... For that to happen. So God, I pray that it would start at home. I pray for families right now that they would make a priority to, to have maybe a weekly time where they pray and even just read a, a scripture verse together. Or as they're driving home from church today, that they would spend time listening and finding out what happened in kids church today and having a spiritual conversation with their kids or investing into their, their own families. Lord, let it start in our own homes that our kids would know the incredible things you're doing in our lives. And they would see our faith at work, and they would desire to have that in their own lives. And Lord, we pray for Pastor Dakota and our children's ministry, Lord, that you'd send workers and help her as she's creating a team of, of passionate people that care about investing into the lives of kids. We're so thankful for those that already serve in our children's ministry, that serve on Wednesday nights, that serve in going to camps and retreats and all those kinds of things. Lord, send more. And Lord, we pray for our, our youth ministry and Pastor Hannah. We're thankful that you've called her here, that she's answered that call, and she's prepared herself. And at the time she was preparing herself, had no idea that this was going to be a part of it. But Lord, you knew, and you orchestrated all these things. We're thankful for teenagers who are coming on Monday nights and are plugged in and being discipled and, and knowing you and lives are being changed. Lord, continue to send the workers that she needs and, and provide everything. Lord, we pray for Pastor Derek and Sonia, for their team on the University of Wyoming campus. Lord, that this semester would be one of the greatest semesters they've ever experienced in campus ministry at the University of Wyoming. Lord, that you would just show up in mighty ways on their Thursday night meetings 
and the outreaches that they do, that your presence would be known and felt in the Kyle House, that you give them creative new ideas for reaching the campus. And God, Lord, let our hearts as a church just be invigorated, Lord, that we would be passionate about kids and youth and young adults and reaching the next generation, not, not at the expense of reaching uh, older people or people that are, are already out of a certain age bracket. God, we want to be a church that reaches every person, but Lord, don't let us forget the next generation. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Lord, we want to see them rise up alongside of parents and grandparents and people in this church that have had an opportunity to know you for years and have grown in their faith for years. Lord, let our kids be strong in their faith and our teenagers be strong in their faith and young adults, that they would be strong in their faith and not walk away from a relationship